bless you and we lift you up today father we ask that you break open the bread of life for your people here today and lord we want to hear from heaven lord we want to be healed in every way lord we want to receive by the spirit everything that you have for us to make our lives better and we thank you for wisdom and knowledge and everything else that you always give us in jesus name amen hallelujah we're going to talk about passing the provision test amen um let's see so we need to know that we passed the provision test god is always asking us do you pass the provision test amen the provision test is simply trusting god to bring everything that you need first we have to trust god to know what we need that's the hardest thing i think because people don't trust god because they don't think god know what we need he don't know what kind of man i want he don't know what kind of wife i want you know he don't understand and so this is the first problem with trusting god especially in the provision department because people don't think god know what they want and another thing people don't want to trust god they don't want to let things go because sometimes we just don't want what we suppose we want what we're not supposed to have and this is what the lord is i believe is showing me about this provision thing because i always ask him stuff like well why don't we get a return or most people don't get a return or if they get a return it's a little bit and so I, I question him, and it's okay to question God about these things if you're ready for the answer and if you really get in his peace and, you know, in the secret place where he answers. And sometimes he'll just answer when you're looking at TV or whatever. But we need to address these things because we want to know. And so this is what I believe the Lord was showing me, that we want the wrong things. And we're looking for the wrong things. Because God can provide any kind of way he so choose. He always provides in the way that's best for us. Let me give you an example of what I believe he was trying to show me. It's just like if we need more money and we're looking for that money. But then your your light bill come in and it's $150 cheaper. You see what I'm saying? He's provided. Because it's going to take less money to put out on that light bill, but we don't see it like that. We're looking for the green. <laughs> Y'all see? What? And so he says he's a manifold God. That's what that means. He works in various ways. He's like a rainbow. He can come in and blend in and all different kind of colors, but he still gets to that main uh, place where we need him to be applied. He's applicable. And so he always does what he's supposed to do, but he comes in different ways, and we need to see him in a different light. And so to receive everything that God has for us, we need to be willing to just accept any kind of way he comes. You know what I'm saying? It's just like that lady, um, the widow of Zarephath, who said, we only, I only got a little bit for me and my son, then we're going to die. And here come the prophet saying, well, fix me a plate first. <laughs> and see, that didn't seem, this ain't God, but what she needed to do is what she did. She gave the, the prophet his first, and that didn't make sense with the natural mind, 
but in the spirit realm she was sowing seed so that she could receive more so she was sowing seed with that little bit that she had so that God could give her more and so this is what I believe God has been showing me is looking other various ways because he's various God you know he comes in so many variety of ways we don't just look at the the dollar bill sign you know well I need money I won't but he'll come in a, in a different way he'll come in that way but see this is the thing he comes the way we need him to come although we don't agree with it because there's a lesson to be learned in everything maybe he won't give us the cash so much cash because he don't trust us with it or something you know what I'm saying and so he'll come and have somebody fix you dinner and bring it over and you say hmm it's all good, but I need some money. You ever been? I've been in that situation. Well, some money would have been nice. Don't don't buy me no food. Give me some money. But see, God, that's God because that's a dinner you didn't have to put out for. So this is just an example of what I believe God was trying to show me about how he provides. So we have to still look at him as our provider, our continuous flow, because he is. Amen. The enemy is consistently trying to get us to question God's love. And when we question his love, we question his provision. If you don't feel, look, you, you really, it's just like parents. When you, your parents are gone, I know I felt different, you know, when my father died. Although I was basically doing for him. But when your parents are no longer there, it's like your support system is gone you know and so you kind of feel like I'm out here by myself and so this is kind of how we look at life but we have to know that God is there you know what he's not like a a parent that passed away or uh, if you live in another state you're not you know I hear a lot of people on on house hunters and they say well we moved from you know Ohio back to Seattle because our family is there because there's a sense of um, security in having family or parents you know and so in this by the same token God wants us to feel that way about him all the time you know but see we get it from people when we should get that feeling that secure feeling from him because he never leaves us nor forsakes us he is our provision he will always provide amen he will always meet our needs but we have to understand how he goes about doing this it may not be in dollar bills you know but it it, he provides in other ways sometimes he'll provide that feeling of love and security and and make you know that look I'm here for you although you don't have parents anymore and so really I had to start to lean on God more after my father passed away and then one day God was dealing with me and I was sitting up and I said now what did he do he didn't do nothing he was you know what I'm saying but he provided that love and that he felt that occupied that space and so God was teaching me he said see he says he's gone on the glory you'll see him again let that go and allow me to be your father you know in a in a more tangible way and so this is what we need all the time we need to put God in a place where people ain't and where people can't go amen and so look at him as provider as father 
you know, as friend, you know, and start to trust him in what he's doing because he always does what's best for us. Uh, this is the question is will God provide for me in the manner in which I desire and the answer is maybe not amen and see this is why we don't trust him to provide for us he don't know really what I need will he know what I need will he give me exactly what I, I want no and we know the answer is no that's why we <laughs> try to get something going on our own with man because we want to be, uh, I don't want to say catered to, but in a sense is catered to in a specific way. And we don't think God is able to do it. But God can and he will. Because he has no other choice. Amen. God will always meet our needs. That's, that's our cover story. That's our hashtag line. God will always meet our needs. Amen. And we must believe that. And if we believe it, we'll see it manifest. Because it's there. We just don't see it. Amen. Uh, God is a husband to me. It's there. I might not be able to see it tangibly, but I know for a fact he's there because I know what he's done for me. Amen. Amen. He had to perform. For me because that slot was empty. Amen. And I could have ran and got another husband. But I just beat him up. You know. Because he's not going to provide the way God can. And so we need to put pull man out of that slot. And put God in there. Because he is the best provider. He's a trustworthy provider. Amen. And, and when I say provider. Provision goes further than money. And see, that's why we don't see him the way we ought to see him. Because he provides comfort by through the Holy Ghost. He provides a, a shoulder to lean on. You know, he does all of these things. You know, it may not be in a tangible way man does it, but still spiritually and physically also he touches our bodies physically. I mean, God is there and he does his job and he would do more if we would acknowledge how he works. Amen. God will always meet our needs no matter what they are because he knows he knows what we need. And see, when we start to understand that he created us, he's the creator, he loves us so much, he made us in his image, all of these things matter. And that he loves us with an everlasting love. When we start to accept and receive that, we'll start to acknowledge his provision. Amen. Hallelujah. And so he makes us happy, you know. Sometimes you get in a funk where man just can't make you happy. But God can always get a rise out of us. Amen. If he can get us in that quiet place, in that secret place. Amen. He can always touch our hearts because he can go where no other man can go. Amen. And so we need to start acknowledging him for who and what he is. He gives provision. pro vision also he he allows us to see what man can't see you know he we develop a relationship with him and he starts to reveal himself to us and reveal other things to us no man can do that god is jehovah jireh you know we need to see him as that our father and our provider amen according to the book of genesis jehovah jireh was a place a land of Moriah, or is it 
yeah, Moriah. And remember, it's the place where uh, Abraham took Isaac up to that place. And when he provided that ram as a uh, sacrifice instead of his son, when he was about to come down on his son, Isaac. And so he named that place God Will Provide. Because he is a provider. And that's when the the Bible first exposed the fact that God was a provider through Abraham. Amen. And so we need to understand what a provider is and what he does. He didn't need money right then. He needed a sacrifice. God gave him exactly what he needed. Amen. See, that's why we see God is a manifold God. And that's what that means. He didn't provide a, a, a a cake or, you know, might have been his birthday. I don't know. But he provided, he provided exactly what he needed. He needed a sacrifice, something holy and acceptable, and that's what he got. So in other words, I'm trying to show you God will give you what, exactly what we need. Amen? Sometimes it's not a, a, a time for wanting cash. Sometimes it, it's a situation where you need exactly that. And he has exactly that. Whatever that is, he has that for us. Amen. He knows exactly what we need and he provides it. So why don't we go to Genesis 22 and we'll read about that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis 22. And in verse 1, it says, After these events, God tested and proved Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. God said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, I'm reading from the Amplified, and go to the region of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I will tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his pony, and took two of his young men and his only son Isaac. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and then began to began the trip to the place of which God had told him. Verse 4 says, On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And Abraham said to his servant, Settle down. And stay here with the donkey, and I and the young man will go yonder and worship and come again to you. You notice he said, and come again, me and the young man. Amen. Because his faith was in the provider. Amen. God will provide. And Abraham, okay, let's see, verse 6. Then Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on the shoulders of Isaac, his son. And took the fire, the fire pot, in his own hand and a knife, and two of them went on together, the two. And Isaac said to Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son, and Isaac, my son Isaac, see here are the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt sacrifice? Verse 8, Abraham said, My son, God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering. So the two went on together. 
when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar, altar there. Then he laid the wood in order and in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar of the wood. Hmm. I would have been saying that ain't what you're supposed to be doing, Daddy. <laughs> Amen. It's verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He answered him, here I am. And it said, do not lay a hand on your lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear and reverence God since you have not held back from me or begrudged giving me your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up. And glanced around and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering and an ascending sacrifice instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of this place the Lord will provide. And it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord it will provide. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I have sworn by myself, said the Lord, that since you have done this thing and have not uh, withheld from me or begrudged me, your, your son, your only son, in blessing I will bless you and in multiply I will multiply you. Now let's start right here in verse 16 it says, Let me read it again. It says, and I have sworn by myself, saith the Lord, that since you have done this and have not withheld from me. See, I I like to read stuff clearly so I know what to do. So I'll get what I want. I'll do what they did. Because if it worked for one person, it'll work for anybody. So number one, he's saying you didn't withhold. You didn't begrudge. That means that you didn't try to hold back. You gave all that you had. You didn't try to manipulate me or try to say, well, why don't you take so-and-so, son? He got three or four. You know what I'm saying. I only got this one, and I had to wait 20 years to get this one. And so there was no manipulation involved. There's no point in the finger. Amen. He says he didn't hold back. Amen. Verse 17 again. In blessing I will bless you. And in multiply I will multiply you. And up in 16 again I say. I I see where God said. I have sworn by myself. Remember when he could swear by no other. He swore by himself. He's doing it again. This is how he dealt with Abraham. Because he was dealing with a man of faith. And so when God will tell when he swears swears by no other that means i will definitely 100 percent come through for you you don't have to worry amen i'm swearing uh give you an oath on none other than me because there is none higher see he's making that oath he's giving him that oath again amen in blessing i will bless you and in multiply i will multiply your descendants like the stars of of the heavens and like the seed on sea sand on the seashore And your seed or your heir will possess the gates of his enemies. And in your seed, Christ, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed by him. Bless themselves because you have heard and obeyed my voice. See, obedience is real profitable. 
Amen. 19. So Abraham returned to his servants and they rose up and went uh, with him to Beersheba where Abraham lived. Amen. We'll stop there. And so God will provide. He provided a ram in the bush for Abraham. He needed it. So, and why did he provide it again? He provided it because Abraham did not fuss with God. The children of Israel always murmured and complained. He didn't get that from Abraham. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, you didn't come with all of this, you know, fussing and arguing. But you just politely obeyed and fell in line with my plans. And for that, in blessing, I will bless you, you know, and bless the seed of your hand and all of that stuff. So that's how it comes. It comes through not arguing and not having to discuss it with ten people and not going over and over in your mind. You ever argued in your mind because you didn't like something and then you still had to do it anyway? It's better to just do it and receive the blessing. Amen. Or if it's a job you didn't like and you just didn't do it, somebody else did it, they're receiving the blessing from what you turn away because you don't like to do it. You know, it's just we need to really just obey God. Amen. And so Jesus had to pass the provision test just like Abraham. Amen. That's in Matthew 4. Why don't we turn there? Everybody has to pass the provision test. Everybody. Nobody is immune to it. Well, you know, I'm special. We all think we are. Some people don't even pick up on this stuff because they're so far from what God is doing. They don't pick up on it, but these things are very important. Amen. So Jesus um, had to... See, Satan is always trying to put doubt in our minds. This is the whole game plan. Doubt. You know, doubt God. Doubt that he said this. Doubt that this is him. Amos 9.13 ain't God. You know, he puts doubt in everything. And so it's up to us to look into that and see through that and know that the devil is lying to us. So if he tricked Eve with doubt, that's how he got her. That's how we got in this mess. Did God really say he put doubt in her mind and he tries to do us the same way with doubt? And so now he's doing Jesus like that. When he told Jesus to turn these this bread into stone, this stone into bread, he was putting doubt in Jesus' mind that God would provide food for him after he was fasting, he was hungry. This is how he watches. I'm telling you, the, the devil watches us. And he comes in, it's just like, you know how when you've been married a long time, you know what each other's thinking. And so it's just like that with, um, what was I going to say? Right. He watches us and he, he can figure you out and know what you're thinking. So he said, well, if I do that, make that happen, and she'll think this. This is how he does everybody. And so he's got a lot of nerve that he even tried that with Jesus. Well, he just fasted. He's hungry. And so I'm going to tell him, since he's the son of God, he knew who he was, miracle work and power. He knew all of that. I'm going to tell him to turn these stones into bread. And if he does it, that means that he is not able to 
think that God can provide food for him because he's in the wilderness. You know, there's no food in the wilderness. And so he's saying, if he does it, then his faith ain't in God. He's already got people plotted and think and thought out because he knew he knows he can get in. Well, I'm not going to say he can read our minds because I know he can't. But this is what he does. He goes by past actions. He goes by what you, he, he keeps a long, he has a dossier on everybody. And I know he does because he goes and stands before God reading all this stuff. And she did that back in 1962. And, and you know, what you going to do about it? She, you know, this is how he does. He, he, he keeps a file on people. And so, you know, he was trying to uh, cause Jesus to turn because since you got the power do this and that's why jesus didn't do it because he knew the tricks of the enemy but anyway in mark 4 verse 1 i'm sorry matthew 4 yeah 4 verse 1 it says then jesus was led be guided beguiled be guided Jesus was led, he was guided by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted and tried by the devil. And he went without food for 40 days. Now, 40 days, you a piece of bread looked like chicken delight. See, the devil dirty. He hits you in your weakest. He knows. And that's why he laughs. Sits up and laughs. And look at the stupid thing she fell for because he reads you. But all you got to do is say no. Because your no is anointed because God has put his power on your no. All you got to do is tell him no, but we don't do that. We say okay. Because see, there's something on the inside of us that likes that negativity, that likes hearing certain things because it feeds our flesh. But if you don't have enough, a lot of flesh in you, there's nothing to feed. And you you can walk away and rebuke things when you know it's the devil. But that's why we don't do it more because it feeds some type of need on the inside of us. All we have to do is get rid of that. And we're home free. Amen. Verse 2 says, And when he went without food for 40 days and 40 nights, and later he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, if you're the Son of God. So you got to pay attention to a play on words all the time. Command these stones to be made loaves of bread. But Jesus replied, It is written, Man shall not live and be upheld and sustained by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth out of the mouth of the Lord. Then the devil took him into a holy place, wasn't finished, and placed him on a pinnacle or a gable of the temple sanctuary. And he said to him, if, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he give his angels charge over you. Now the second time you notice he's beating him to the punch with the, with the word. Because he gave him the word in the first thing when he says man shall not live by bread alone so he said well i'm gonna give you the word he will give his angels charge over you so i already know the word jesus so now what you got to say to that i already know that see he'll try to box you in any kind of way he can amen verse seven uh where am i at charge over you and there and they will bear you up I'm still in six on the hand 
up on their hands, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said in verse 7, on the other hand, it is written also that you shall not tempt the Lord, you shall not test thoroughly or try exceedingly the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory and its splendor and magnificence and its preeminence and excellence of them. And he said to him, these things all taken together I'll give you if you will prostrate yourself before me and do homage and worship me and then jesus said to him be gone satan for it is written that you shall worship the lord your god and him alone and shall you serve him and the devil departed in verse 11 from him and behold angels came and ministered to him see god has angels to help you out when you get in a tight spot amen amen and so jesus <laughs> satan wanted to put doubt in jesus's mind by trying to make him think he couldn't uh, depend on God to feed him because he, had he hadn't eaten for 40 whole days. That's a month and 10 days. That's a long time. Amen. So he was trying to get him to use his power when there was no need to. He wanted him to step into fear and doubt and unbelief and provide for himself. That's what he wanted him to do. That's what he wants us to do, provide for ourselves. I know because I've been on both sides of the road. I've not worked for many years, and I've worked for many years. And I remember when I was working, I used to think to myself, I can get that. All i got to do is work a couple extra hours every week, and I'll have it. See? And so that's how God, see, the devil wants us to think that we don't need God. It's so much easier to me, since I've been on both sides of the road, it's so much easier for me to pray for what I need. Amen. Pray for what I need. And you grow old gracefully if you ain't out hitting the lick every time you turn around. Because, you know, you know what I'm saying. Because... You start depending on God, it's much easier. Much ease is, is involved. You know, yeah, amen. Your job is important. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. I'm just saying. It can't provide for everything you need because it ain't enough. They don't pay you enough money. <laughs> they don't pay enough money for everything you need. Amen. You know, Jesus was saying to him in a sense, I don't have to make my own bread. I don't have to pray for my own. I don't have to make a See, Actually, he wanted him to make his own bread because he said, turn this stone into bread. That's work. He said, in other words, make your own food. And he said, no, I don't have to. God will provide. Amen. And so this is what we need to tell the devil when he starts trying to make us take things into our own. Consider, our, I, I got to work. I can't come to church Sunday. See what I'm That's the same spirit that tells you, you know, that's, that's the same thing. God has met our needs through the word. He can meet anybody's need through the word. Everything we can ever need is hidden in the word of God. The the Israelites had tested. They were tested, but they failed the provision test. Amen. Let's see. They had lack of faith. They murmured and complained. And this is what God 
Abraham over when he didn't complain about having to take his his son up on that mountain. And he didn't complain, but the Israelites didn't have a child involved in this. They were just selfish. They complained all the time. It, it Nothing was ever the way they wanted it, you know, because they just didn't want God. They didn't want God in their business. You know, you see people like that. Oh, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I tithe. But they don't want God in their business. See, when you are a child of God, you include God in everything. You don't just nix him out of certain things. So the Israelites failed the provision test. Amen. Because of lack of faith, doubt and unbelief, murmuring and complaining. God want, And what God provided and what God provided, they didn't want. Like sometimes we, we don't want that. I, well, I wanted, you know, a little bit of caviar on top of my, you know, whatever. And so they didn't want what God provided because they didn't want God in their business. Why? They had hardened hearts. A hardened heart never wants God in, in their business. Amen. Because this is why. Because of pride, they want to feel like they're running everything. That's why I always look at that. You know, it's like people who always want to run stuff themselves. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. They got an issue with him. Got a God issue. But the devil ain't going to never try to let you think you do. Because that's how he, he can keep you under his wing is to keep smoke screening you. But they have a God issue because they don't want nobody in there. I don't want nobody to know. But don't nobody care. You know, that's the reality of it because we all got business. But, you know, people who always think somebody is trying to find something out about them, it's because they have an issue with God. Because God knows everything about us. And that should be okay. You know what I'm saying? And so anyway... The Israelites compared Pharaoh to God. That's why they did that, because they felt like Pharaoh was a better provider than Almighty God. Pharaoh was mere man. But they felt like, you know, at least we, we you know, we're going back to, for, to Egypt because at least he fed us. You're going back just to be fed? That's pretty sad. <laughs> you know, you're going back for it. That's like selling your your uh, birthright for a bowl of soup and so you know it's just confusing you know that they had hardened hearts hardened hearts see they had a problem with god they had hardened hearts they didn't want him in their business at all and all they did is moses and aaron all they did was whip them whip them whip them pick pick argue argue we don't like y'all go up there and tell him we don't have time and that's why eventually they worshiped the, the false god because they didn't want any parts of god they did they thought that aaron and moses were not good leaders and they, and that's always see that devil will always jump on the rebellious with a hardened heart when they don't like the people over god chose them for a reason because couldn't nobody else do it and wasn't nobody else willing to do it. Amen. Putting over their crazy behind. And so who else did they think was going to do this? Moses was always stepping in, trying to pray for them and love them. And nobody else going to go for that. Nobody else going to do that. But whatever his name was, Moses, nobody else could take his place. And Aaron, Aaron was weak. 
because he would let them pull his leg. That's why they liked him a little better because they would pull his leg. At least they thought they were. He just didn't want to argue. He just didn't like arguing with people. Amen. But, you know, we have a problem with God. When you have a problem with authority, you got a problem with, you got a God problem. That's why I hate young people who have a authority problems because they're going to wind up in jail. I'm telling you. You know, young people who don't like doing what they are told, God tried to get them and that's what I did to mine. And I know it works. Amen. Because it's just, you can't deal with that devil when it get out of hand. You just can't. So, you know, you discipline while you can. Or you're just going to have to take a front row seat and watch a lot of things that's not pleasant. But thank God we don't have that problem. And then some kids are just not disciplined problems. You know what I'm saying. They're just, especially I believe it's kids that have a lot of exposure to grandparents. They know how far to go because they know they will get beat up. Okay. <laughs> they know it. You know, they're quick to come to granny because they love them. But they know they can't push granny and grandpa but so far. Amen. And it's just such a blessing to have grandparents for your children, amen. Especially in the young, young, you know, when they're young. It's, it's, I was reading on Facebook some guy, just to throw this in, and evidently his grandmother had passed away maybe three or four, two, it was recent, two years ago, something like that. And his mother had also passed away more recently. He was more talking about the grandma. He had a bunch of pictures of grandma. He said, Grandma, I love you so much. I miss you. He said, everything is just like you told me. And then he said, my mother, I miss her too. But meanwhile, grandma, he went back to grandma. Because, <laughs> see, grandma gave him knuckle sandwiches when he needed it. And then he had a picture of the mother and the grandmother. But he was really and I miss you so much. Every morning I get up, I think about you. You know, and it's like he went on and on about the grandmother. You know, so important. So important. Amen. Well, whatever. I don't know. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So they start comparing Pharaoh to, to God. Don't ever let the devil get you boxed into the place where you want to go back to Egypt. And he'll do it. He'll do all that stuff. And it's another thing. Make you afraid to move forward because of what people may think or what somebody may. Who cares what people think? As long as you're in the will of God, you're trying to obey God as best you can. I don't care nothing about people's opinion about what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Are you kidding me? None of their business. Who cares? And people who get into your who are so concerned their stuff is so choppy and you know they need to concentrate on what they're doing but keep moving forward with God even if you mess up it doesn't matter keep moving forward with God amen and expect him to change some things amen put our faith when we put our faith in our jobs and our friends in our families, in our possessions, in our bank accounts, you're, you're saying that these things do better for you than God.
But see, this is thing that I look at this, I look at really, really rich people, and I'm not saying I didn't, I don't want a lot of money, because that would be a lie. We all want money, because money makes this world go around. If you don't have none, it can get a little sticky. But I can tell you one thing, I'd rather have God in my business, because I look at these real rich people, ultimately they need God. And they're trying to make a deathbed confession. They get out of here so quickly, and they can't take it with them. And I look at what the people do who are left, the family members, and how they don't—they don't put a value on those things that these people cherished. It's like get rid of that stuff because they're your children. It's just like even businesses—they leave kids' businesses and they wreck the business. That's not good, but what I'm saying is don't put your stock in every tangible things because you can't take that stuff with you. And I'd rather get, see, if you get things from God, you won't feel such a, a loss. It's like easy come, easy go. You know what I'm saying? But when you put all your hope and your faith and your trust in stuff, it is just, it's not a good thing. Put your faith in your, put your faith in what God can do. Not possessions, not your bank account. Amen. Our faith must be in God's ability. Your faith should be in in God's abilities rather than what the world can offer us. Because the world can't offer us anything. I I had a situation just this past week where I need to get some things done. And I was looking, I said, I don't have no money. I'm up here, you know, interviewing people. Who's going to paint my house? Like I can afford them. And I um, looked in the bank. I went and I said, I don't have no money. And I didn't know what I said. Well, I can't be tele- calling nobody back saying I choose you. I don't choose nobody. I don't have no money. So I was so confused, and I started thinking back about what checks, because, see, I keep my bank account up here in my head, and I said, something's just not right, and I kept saying there's some missing money. You know, I had never counted in my check that comes every month, and I didn't, I didn't do it. And it was sitting in the bank, and I never Never counted it. And it's, to, it's the end of the month. I'm doing pretty good. You know, Bridget told me, Bridget said, that's pretty good. What's the date? The 22nd? You're doing real good. I said, I think so too. But I never counted that in. And that's my paint party money, you know. But I knew, and I kept saying, I know there's some money somewhere, but I couldn't put my my finger on it. I just said, something's just not right. But I knew God was going to come through for me. I just knew it. And Bridget was like, what can you do for me? I said, hey, I can do it all. (laughs) You know, I can do it all. But anyway, God will provide. He always does. Amen. He always does. He always takes care of our stuff, you know, so we don't have to worry. And so I can go on and get these things done that I need to get done. Amen. Let's go to Proverbs 3. My sons don't want to go back up on the ladders anymore. I said, well, they're getting old. I thought about it. I said, mm, they're getting old. They, they don't want to do it no more. 
It was so funny because Mac was telling me, just hire somebody and let me know who they are and I'll check them out. And I was thinking to myself, see, the devil never quits because I was thinking to myself, he talked like this is so easy, you know, who going to pay, you know. And then, you know, the Lord spoke to me. He said, it is that easy. I almost got off track. See, you can get so concerned with what you think you don't have but that you ain't thinking in your right mind. And it is, and I caught myself, I said, it is that easy. It's just as easy as call them up and, you know, it's that easy. But, I, but the devil's trying and sitting up trying to have my money. I don't like that. Making me think, ain't that crazy? See, the devil, he don't ever quit trying. It's just that easy. Amen. Go get done what you need to have done. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 5 talks about leaning in and trusting in. Lean on. Rely on. Let's see. Let me go to 3, 5. Uh, yeah. And it says, lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. And in all of your ways, recognize and acknowledge him. And he will direct and make straight and plain your path. And in verse 7, just to me, has so much to do with verse 5. Be not wise in your own eyes. Amen. That means don't be trying to control and run everything. Amen. It says, but reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn away from evil. See, because it's evil when you try to control everything that you are doing. And that's why it's witchcraft when you try to control other people. That's that control thing. That's the devil. It's the devil. It's no, nothing clean in that. You know how I know that's right? Because at the end of verse 7, it says, stay away from evil. And any kind of control is evil. It's, it's the witchcraft. That's why so many men can't stand on their own. Somebody pulling the strings. You know, it's just bad. And it seemed like these young women coming up just got this spirit on them. That's, you know what? They got manly spirits. And they're trying to control this man, trying to be something, something fake. They're trying to be something in his eyesight that they are not. I don't understand why they can't see it. Because when they get that ring, don't they unleash some spirits? And it's like, I think they feel like I'm too deep in it. You ain't never too deep in it. Leave her at the altar if you have to. I ought to start a business called I'll Help You Leave Her at the Altar. (laughs) You know, they on the internet doing everything. You know, making money on... A good babysitter. What is that lady? You know, she'll find you. Uh, she f- yeah, that. No, no. You know where they find you a good nanny and a. What's, what's that lady's? Yeah, Angie's. Well, I can do Angie. I only, I'll help mess up what your wedding planner started. Because she ain't the one. That's what I'm talking about. Nobody ever did that before. But see, the world don't want that because they like, the devil like hooking these good strong men up with these overbearing, bossy women. And then they think they all of that. It's just a witchcraft. 
Got a little veil over your eyes. Man, just bad. And you see that so much. We used to see that back in the day very rarely. And we had names for her, didn't we? But nowadays, she's highly lifted up. It's just so bad. Because, see, they place her in, in, she's taking God's place. That's why God don't like that stuff. Can't do that. Got to hear God for yourself. Okay. But, you know, we won't say nothing to them because then it'll start a big riff. Then they get mad. Then they get on Facebook and they blast you. I blast them back. Amen. They don't know that about me yet. Amen. So the Israelites say, it says, the Israelites say, we're hungry. Let's go back to Egypt. At least Pharaoh fed us. Amen. Pharaoh fed us, but God led us in the wilderness. Amen. But he think, they think that God led them there to starve them. God led them there to test their hearts, to show them something wrong with your heart. You got a problem with me. Your problem is not with Moses and Aaron. Your problem is with me, and it's a heart and heart. Amen. So anyway, this is what we need to do. Faith, uh, confidence, hope, expectation in God all comes out of your heart. So it's a heart thing. Get your heart right. Faith, confidence, hope, expectation in God comes from your heart it comes out of your heart amen your heart has to receive the love of god for all of this faith confidence and hope and expectation to come out you got to know the love of god and also it works two ways you got to be walking the love walk that's why most of this stuff don't work for people it don't work for me it don't work for me because your heart is hardened that's why it don't work for you so that's the bottom line is the heart. It's a heart thing. Exodus 16. Nothing works if your heart is hard. And if we purpose, how do you change your heart? You purpose to change it. You mean, And see then religion say, well, that's manufactured. Better than walking in anger. <laughs> well, you know how that's manufactured. Yeah, you keep on manufacturing the best way you know how, and then it'll become a, a, you know, a habit and a purpose. Hallelujah! And it, and you'll eventually change. Amen. Exodus 16, verse 2. It says, "And the whole congregation of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egyp.'" When he sat by the flesh pots and, and ate bread to the full. Did I read that right? Okay. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly of hunger with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from the heavens for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. That I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day they shall prepare to bring in twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all Israel at evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of this land of Egypt. 
And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. For he hears your murmurs against the Lord. Your murmurings against the Lord. For what we are. Let's see. Yeah, for what we are that you murmur against us. And Moses said, this will happen when the Lord gives you, gives you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full. Because the Lord has heard your grumblings, which you murmur against him. What are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Stop trying to make friends that don't work. You know, he's trying to say, look, you got a problem with God. They're not going to listen. <laughs> Let's see, where am I at? Verse 9. It says, And Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your murmurings. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the murmurings of the Israelites speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat. And between the two evenings you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And in the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round upon the camp. And when the dew had gone upon, when the dew had gone, behold, upon the face of the wilderness they lay a fine, round, and flake-like thing, as fine as horse frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, Manna, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Amen. See, they didn't know the Lord. Because if they had known the Lord, they would have known what you know the, the bread of life was. Amen. Okay. So in other words, whatever you need, seek God for it, no matter what it is. I don't care if it's $5.62. Tell God what you need. He will provide. Amen. He's the God of all provision. He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And he's the provider of new things. See, this manna was new. It was a new thing, and they weren't used to it. He's the provider of new things. Amen. And see, most people, if you will tell the truth, you know we like things the way we used to get in them. Amen. We don't want a new thing. Amen. But I'm telling you, Amos 9.13 is a new thing. That's why most people don't think it's real. They just sit and listen. They be saying, yeah, right, to themselves. Mm-hmm. We'll see. See, that kind of attitude, you won't enter in. But you have to say, it's like this, I'm excited. You ever been excited for something and you didn't know what it was? You can be excited and not know. Most people want to know. I want to know. I want to know. And then I get excited. It don't work like that. Not with God. It doesn't work like that. If your supervisor told you that, you know, I got something for you. I'm going to bring it. You just be all anticipated. See, we identify with man. We can't identify with God. But we need to learn. We need to reverse that. Because life is different. Amen. Hallelujah. God called it the bread from heaven. And they didn't know what it was. It's my provision of a new thing. Amen. You know, because God said, I'll 
show you things that you know not. We don't have to know everything. I want him to surprise me. Is it a little spooky? Yeah, a little bit. But when you come to God, you're ready for anything that he has. Amen. Give me something fresh. Give it to me new. You know, we're afraid of what we don't know. We're afraid of something new. Amen. But make yourself receive it anyway. Whatever you need, seek God for it. Seek to deliver. If you need deliverance, you seek to deliver. Amen. That's Jehovah Shalom. Seek the healer if you want a healing. That's Jehovah Rapha. That's in Exodus 15:26. If you know, I would diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. You seek what you need. If you need the cat, don't call the dog. Amen. If you seek provision, seek Jehovah Jireh. For his provision. It's trusting God and putting our faith in our in, in putting our faith and hope and our trust in his awesome abilities because he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly. See, we like to say these scriptures, but we don't really believe them. Amen. When see when those look at those Israelites, when they were dealing with God, they weren't dealing with a man that could do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. They weren't dealing with him. They was dealing with somebody that was mean, didn't like them, and was trying to feed them some garbage out the sky. Because they didn't know it was the bread of life. Amen. And so, you know, it wasn't to their understanding. But we need to learn how to receive whatever God has for us whether we understand it or not. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy 8. I'm almost done. Verse 2. Amen. We need to resist the temptation of doubting God. Amen. We don't have to understand everything for it to happen. But we do have to have a heart to receive it. Just say, I receive it. It's just like if somebody came to your house and said, you know, is your name Tiffany Camp? And she said, yeah, I have a check for you. And you say, oh, really? And you start, yo, that frown turned to a smile. And you say, well, really, who is it from? But all that stuff is kind of mediocre because the important thing is we have a check for you. And then you want it, and you're going to cash it. Well, see, we don't have to understand. You don't, you, because when he's trying to explain to you where that check is from, your mind is unfruitful. <laughs> but you say, good, I want to receive it. Well, that's how we ought to be with God. We ought to be willing to receive it, although you don't quite understand where it comes Who cares where it comes from? But see, we want to know if it's God. Well, what did I do? Well, you know, we have so many questions, but we need to be willing to receive whatever he has for us. Deuteronomy 8, 2. And you shall earnestly remember all the ways which your Lord, all the way which the Lord your God led you through these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you, to know what was in your mind and heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. You see why sometimes God don't come through? Because he can't. He wants to desperately in his word says that he will. Try me in this and see it on that pour out of, uh, pour out of, what is it? 
a blessing so large you won't know how to receive it. But it's so many roadblocks put by man. Man's roadblocks. Amen. Wrong heart. It says here wrong mindset. Not keeping commandments. Living in the old kind of way. In, in your heart. Verse 3 says, and he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and feed you with, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you recognize and personally know that man does not live by bread alone only, but man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not become old. He's talking to the Israelites. He says, upon you, nor did your feet swell. That's something to be thankful for. In 40 years, it says in verse 5, know also in your minds and hearts that as a man disciplines and instructs his son, so does the Lord your God discipline and instruct you. So you shall keep the covenant, the, so you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and reverently fear him. Amen. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water. You see how he just read them the right act, what they don't do, but this is what he's promising. The Lord is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs flowing for in the valley forth in the valley hills in other words i'm sending you to a place where you won't have to look for me to to give you water ain't nobody has to hit a rock with a stick and make water come out you're going to go to a land where you water is free and you can get it at your disposal whenever you want it he's saying i'm bringing you into that land verse 11 beware that you do not forget the lord your god by keeping his commandments his precepts and his statutes which i command you there's what they need to do to come into this land. For all you to say, well, they didn't get there. He took them there, but they didn't enter in because of that right there. They refused to change their hearts. They refused to change their minds. It says in verse, where am I at? In 11. I wanted to jump down to to 14, but I won't. 11, beware you do not forget the Lord your God by keeping his commandments, his precepts, his statutes, and that which I command you today. Least when you have eaten and are full and have built goodly houses and live in them. In other words, when I give you, when I bless you, that's how we do. We forget God. People get arrogant. Ain't had no job in 62 years. And then when we get one, it's just how people are. Don't want to change. Verse 14, it says, Then your minds and hearts be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out and of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. But who brought you forth water out of the flinty rock? Who, fled, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know. And he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. So all God wanted these people to do was humble themselves. That's all. 
humble themselves under the mighty hand of the Lord. Verse 17, and, and beware lest you say in your minds and in your heart, my power, my power and might of my hands have gotten me this wealth. So all God wants somebody to do is just acknowledge him, stay with him. Even when he bless us, don't think you up here. Just stay, just stay normal. Be normal. Is it too hard to just be normal? People should know if you got a little or a lot. Amen. Should know by your actions. Amen. They may want to know, but they don't have to know unless you let them know. Amen. So it says here in verse 17, I'm going to read it again. Least you say in your heart, my power, my power. Look what I did. I did this. You know. Verse 18, but you shall earnestly remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And see, that's why we can't be stingy with God because he gave us the power to get what we have and he give us more if we get our hearts right it's a heart thing everything in the kingdom is a heart thing I'll just go on and read verse 19 and if you forget the Lord your God and walk after other gods and serve them like money like stuff like people it says I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish like the nations which the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. That's interesting, verse 20. Like the nations which the Lord makes to perish before you. It's the reason why some nations are poor. It's a reason. Amen. The, the Middle Easterns think that money is theirs. It's God's money over there. They think they did something so great that God gave them that money. They're messing with money that's already been claimed. Amen. That's why they don't keep it. And that's why they go sacrificing their lives with a bomb. Because they're just not with it. Amen. you got to be an 11th hour person. Because we serve an 11th hour God. So you got to, especially with this Amos 9:13 season coming in, I'm telling you, you got to be an 11th hour person. It's like I'm not quitting believing. God may come, it's a quarter to 12 in the midnight hours, but I'm holding on to midnight. Amen. He might not come until the 11th hour or the midnight hour. Why? Because of that reason right there. Because he wants to make sure that our hearts are right toward him. And if it's not, he wants us to fix our hearts right toward him. And be willing to receive whatever he has and not what we think is best for us. That's why people fall out of the game. They fall out of the game. This is why. If you look real close and just look, I'm talking about into God. Not at people. But this is what it is. They fall out the race because they already made up their minds that God ain't going to do it. That's why they stop serving God. Then they say, I'm reading my Bible. I'm still believing. You still believe in what? Because when you're still believing, you don't abandon your assignment. 
because everything you believe in for is wrapped up in your assignment. If it wasn't for your assignment, you wouldn't even know what you standing for. I don't get this stuff. It needs to stop. And so I don't understand. So and and it's like this. If it never comes, it's okay. Because you're you're doing your assignment. Maybe God thinks that's more important than what you want, and maybe you need to feel that way too. Amen. It's good when you got deliverance. When El Shaddai gives you that peace, you could really care less. It gets to a point where you are in this for God and not for what you can get. Anybody ever thought about that? Amen. Because the more and more you serve God, the sweeter it gets. It's supposed to. And if it doesn't, it's a heart thing. You got an issue with him, get that straight. I used to have one with him. And I got that thing straight because it didn't feel good. Amen. And so, you know, you have to take refuge somewhere. Might as well be in the Almighty. Amen. Hallelujah. Trust him. With the bitter and the sweet. Amen. Trust him in the good places. Trust him in the bad places. But expect him to come. I still expect him to come. Because I serve an 11th hour. I'm an 11th hour believer. Amen. So it don't have, he don't, God don't have to be up in my face telling me every five minutes what he's going to do for me. Because it's written in here. Amen. And it can't be erased. But if you let the devil put a lot of other stuff in here, it just we just we just need to relax and trust God. Amen. And stop trying to prove stuff to people who you think got it together and they don't. Amen. The devil is so tricky. He wants us to try to. Um, prove something to some, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody but God see those Israelites thought like that too and that's why they saw it from afar just imagine making it all the way to the promised land and looking up from a mountain and seeing it and God said see I told you I told you I'd bring you to this place look at it it's a milk and honey and everything is fresh water it's everything down there but nobody can go in there you know why heart refuse to change the heart so don't let that be your thing don't hang on for 30 years 20 years and not get your heart right towards what god has for you don't try to belittle it because i'm telling you god don't give you messy stuff anything that comes from god is better than anything you could get off the street it's better than anything that you could get from the workplace it's better than anything that you can get anywhere. Amen. But see, you have to get in God. He knows how we are. And he don't, dis- he don't dislike us. He loves us. In all our little funny ways, he loves us and he's still with us. And see, this lie that the devil will tell, well, it's too late. You done messed up too much time. That's a lie. So what you going to believe? You have to make up your mind that you're going to go forth in God, in power, in authority, and even if you haven't been doing it, I'm going to start today. Amen. I'm going to start today. Amen. Things are going to change because I'm expecting God. I am pregnant with his promises. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, Father.
We praise you and we exalt you, Lord, and we lift you up in the name of your son, Jesus, who is worthy of all honor and praise. And Lord, for those people who didn't come today, those who are working, those who are out of town, those who are doing other things, I'm asking that you send your spirit, send your peace, send your love, send your joy their way, Lord God. And I thank you for being Jehovah Jireh, our provider, the God that is more than enough, the God that has everything that we need. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. We magnify you and we lift you up. And Lord, I ask for every situation where people need jobs and need increase in their finances, I'm asking you to show yourself strong on their behalf. Show up and show out, Lord God. Because we are expecting. We are expecting. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We bless you in Jesus' mighty name. And, Father, all those things that are not right, we give you permission to fix them, Father. Fix them, Father. And, Lord, for all of our children and grandchildren, those people who need spouses, Lord, we're asking that you... Show them their spouses, Lord. Show them. Don't let them waste time with the false. We don't want them to waste any more time with the false. But we want the real. We want the real. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God. Hallelujah. Is there anyone that needs prayer in here before we leave?